is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to all of you, and to you, Jesse, and to me. Yeah. (laughs) To 80s Revisited, the new format. Got to bring up that energy. Quarantine edition. Because we're not 101 anymore. Got to overdo it. It's hard to sit to get excited when you're sitting Indian style. Though. <laughs> I feel like I should be meditating. Yeah, there you go. Or something. And my child's sleeping upstairs, so. Oh right, right. <laughs> yeah, but no, but she could sleep. She slept through a jet landing, so I'm not too too worried about it. Yeah. But anyway, welcome back, everybody. Good to see you. I'm here, ten pounds heavier in my body, five pounds lighter <laughs> on my head. There you with go. This quarantine haircut, Jesse. How you been? I've been all right. Um, not much to report here. Staying yeah, alone. I mean, me and you have corresponded via war zone. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Call of Duty. So, uh, but all you lovely people out there, it's been a while. Uh, now, of course, like, oh, wow, you've been on quarantine, Trey. Why haven't you podcasted more? Well, I've caught up on video games, comic books, everything else. Moving. <laughs> and just spending time with my baby and yeah. uh, both my wife. Move, moving across the country. Little baby. <laughs> and moved. You know, of course, now I'm in California. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesse's in Louisiana still. Two yep. of the states most hard hit by COVID nineteen as well. So, I moved to one of the most beautiful states Look in the country, we've done. and are immediately mm-hmm. quarant- and immediately quarantined and can't see shit. Yeah, yeah. I might as well stay in Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, you may as well. <laughs> it's, it's just nicer here to walk around outside for our daily walks as opposed to where we're humidity in Louisiana and all that. Yeah, zero, zero, zero. humidity. So, wow. Can't complain about that. Well, yeah, that's been the, good, that's, though, actually. It's been like 70 lately. Well, the funny thing is, uh, when we moved here, it's rained at least once or twice a week. In fact, there was a mm. lady that we met passing who was saying, it's never rained this much, and I've lived here 13 years. Yeah. I'm like, we brought it to you. Yes. The swamp it's, people have done this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we wanted to come to the better weather, and we brought some rain with us. But yeah. on the plus side here, usually the mountains are all brown. Now they're green. Yeah. It looks like Italy. Yeah. So. It's really that's a cool part about it. But anyway, enough of that bullshit. We'll do that at the end of this episode because y'all right. came here to hear me blabber and go on tangents while talking about an '80s movie. And we're not doing a film today in terms of a theatrical release because it's Star Wars Day, uh, and we've already done the Star Wars trilogy. And as we all know, there were no other Star Wars films in the '80s, but there was a plethora of cartoon i say plethora you know droids and ewoks and then there were two made for television movies one in 84 which is what we're talking about today mm-hmm. and then the sequel in 85 but the one we're talking about today was originally called just the ewok adventure mm. uh rebranded later as caravan of courage which i don't like the alliteration in the title ewok adventure is enough uh, so it's catching the sequel <laughs> the sequel is called battle of endor so ewoks the battle of endor so you have the ewok adventure ewoks battle for endor or you have Caravan of Courage, Battle for Endor. Mm. Wh- however you want to word it, we're doing the first one. Mm. Uh, this one, of course, let me step back again to a proper introduction. I'm your host, Trey Harris. Oh, there you go. With me, as always, from across the country this time, my producer, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. There we go. We got the <laughs> yes, I am. We can now continue. So anyway, uh, this premiered on television on November 25th, 1984. And even though it's a TV movie, IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes still have scores for them, which is great. So you can kind of know what you're in for. IMDb, 5.5. Rotten Tomatoes, 23% critics, 44% audience. So the general public is meh 
Meh. As far as that goes, there I have no idea on the budget because it wasn't again again was not a theatrical release. Uh, so no opening gross, no domestic gross, no worldwide, no rentals because it wasn't even available on VHS until like a decade or so later. Wow. Uh, it was directed by a gentleman named John Cordy with a K. He did a ton of TV movies. This is a TV director for a TV special. Uh, but notably, in terms of that, he did do 13 episodes of Sesame Street. So that's pretty cool. I'll give him that. Yeah. Uh, writer was Bob Corot, based on characters created by George Lucas. We all know what George Lucas did. Uh, but Bob Corot also did the Ewok cartoon, a few episodes of Tiny Toon Adventures, and a whole bunch of episodes of Maniac Mansion. Uh, cinematography was, again, the director, John Cordy. Nothing to say about that. There's nothing special here. This is a <laughs> TV special. This is not a theatrical movie. With landscapes and everything, there are quite a few map paintings, though. Hmm. So, I mean, for, well, we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, production design—we don't normally mention this, but it is extremely important that you know who did the production design on this film because it was Joe Johnston. Who's uh, Joe Johnston, Trey? Well, he was the art director for the original trilogy. So you have that Star Wars. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not hereditary. Connection. Association. Association, there you go, that'll work. That wasn't the exact word, but it's in the ballpark. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Anyway, so, but uh, most notably, he's gone on to be quite a very good director, in my opinion. He did The Rocketeer. Mm -hmm. He did the original Jumanji. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And most kids these days will know him from, excuse me, he did Captain America, the first Avenger. So, uh, he went on from, you know, worked on the original trilogy, art director, Production designer on the New York Adventure. We'll keep that low on the resume. Right. But then directed, my opinion, some really fantastic films. And films that uh, I think have a good direction in them. In terms of uh, you know good eye, good cinematography, all that kind of stuff. That makes a film memorable as opposed to some of the other stuff. Yeah. Now, starring, I know you're wondering, oh, who played in this action-packed extravaganza? thought my wife was doing something or throwing something at me. <laughs> That's the stairs right there, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I can see that. So it goes, shh, shh, shh. So we always throw stuff down right there. So no. <laughs> anyway, sorry about that distraction. Uh, Eric Walker, of course, you've heard of him, right? No, you haven't, because he only played in this and the Battle for Endor. Uh, he did some other stuff, nothing notable except maybe less than zero. You might have heard of that one. Uh, he's also the first Mace character, first character named Mace in Star Wars, predating Mace Windu, not in the Star Wars timeline, but in reality. <laughs> So, uh, Aubrey Miller was Sindel with a C, not to be confused with Sindel from Mortal Kombat. Uh, pretty much, she just started in the sequel to this, and literally, that's it. Hmm. She did do some editing on something, and that was it, but it, it was nothing I heard of. I didn't even bother mentioning it. So, but hey, you got the star two Star Wars movies. So, that's most people cannot say that. No. Anyway, Guy Boyd was Jeremy, the dad of those two kids. He was in Foxcatcher, Sister Act, and Carnosaur 2. Oh, classic Carnosaur 2. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to massacre this first name, uh, Fionla Flanagan. She was Katarine, the wife, the mother of the two kids. Now, she did tons and tons of television. She's a television character actor, yeah. actress, excuse me. Uh, she, some of the, so a few of the things she did was uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, Dr. Quinn. Uh, Film-wise, she did, was in The Others with Nicole Kidman. Uh, and most recently, she was in American Gods on uh, FX or Stars, whatever channel that's on. Right. I don't know what channel it's on because I watch it digitally. Uh, but anyway, uh, Daniel Frischman was Deej, one of the Ewoks. He was also in Return of the Jedi. And he's a veteran of the podcast because he was also in not just Return of the Jedi, but also uh, Night of the Creeps with the great Tom Atkins. Uh, he also starred in Lone Wolf McQuaid with uh, Chuck Norris. 
And then Tony Cox. Now, this is he's probably the most popular, most recognizable face in this film, even though he's an Ewok. He played Whittle. He was in Spaceballs, mm-hmm. Friday. Uh, most people probably instantly recognize him from Bad Santa as the yeah. elf, that little person elf in that film. But he's been in a ton, a ton of stuff. Uh, Willow as well. Uh, Kevin Thompson was the baddest ass Ewok that ever walked mm-hmm. indoor or the forest moon of indoor, excuse me, because they're not on indoor. They're on the forest moon of indoor. All you Star Wars fans, you should know that. Uh, as Chuck Atrock, he was also in Blade Runner, Return of the Jedi, Night of the Creeps as well. And unfortunately, I have to say it's, it's, it's terrible that he had to do this, but he was in Garbage Pail Kids, the movie. Oh, my. So, unfortunately, he had to have a stain on his resume. <laughs> uh, but he's the axe-throwing Ewok buff badass. It's And spoiler alert, he dies, which is an absolute shame <laughs> because I would watch a movie with just him. As that Ewok, uh, you know, just mukcha, butcha, just throw after that shit. It would have been fantastic. He's a great Ewok, a uh, great character. And, of course, Warwick Davis, Wicked himself, from Return of the Jedi. Warwick Davis, everybody knows, should know who Warwick Davis is. Mm-hmm. Willow, title character. And he's the Leprechaun. Oh! <laughs> you know, most anytime there's a uh, Harry Potter, he's several characters in Harry Potter. Yeah. I mean, he's been in everything. Uh, pretty much since he started his career in Return of the Jedi, if I remember correctly. Uh, and this struck me as odd because I this is the first time I've seen this since the DVD came out in like late 90s, mid 90s, whenever it came out. Uh, but the narrator is none other than Burl Ives, who you, you might remember or audibly recognize because he was the narrator in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Ah. So very kind of weird <laughs> having a narrator in a Star Wars film. Hmm. And it's the guy that did Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. But, of course, he had a prolific career himself, big music star back in the day. Uh, He was also in True Romance, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof with Elizabeth Taylor. He's been around. Yeah, Yeah, uh, since the 30s. Yeah, when he was alive. Yep. I'm pretty sure he's dead. He is dead. Died in 1995, 85 years old. I don't even think he got to see this film on DVD. (laughs) He didn't make it that far. That's okay. (laughs) But anyway, this was, uh, you know, about the film itself. This was a huge deal for me when I was a kid. Uh, Jesse, did you ever watch this when you were a kid? Did you ever have any knowledge no. of it? Today is the day I discovered it exists. <laughs> you were today years old when you learned that the Ewok just, Adventure was a thing on TV. Just like some listeners, I'm sure. Probably, yeah. All you damn kids out there. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, the thing, you know, again, you gotta, you know, today if you want to see this movie, you can get it in seconds. I believe you can buy it on Amazon uh, digitally and watch it. Might be free. I'm not sure on Prime. No Disney Plus. <laughs> nope, Disney Plus. In fact, the lead actor petitioned, was trying to write petition for Disney Plus to put it on Disney Plus. Why not? So, Just throw all your know. garbage on there, Disney. <laughs> uh, you never know. But anyway, uh, so you know, this was a film came out in '84. I had it recorded on a VHS. And I watched the hell out of it because that's the only way you could watch it back in the day. Hmm. No Netflix, no internet, nothing like that. Uh, you know, I had, you know, as you would see, people have like CD collections and all that kind of stuff, you know, or not, or books that I guess people still have books. <laughs> a lot of people still yeah. don't have CDs or that kind of stuff. You know, if you look at, if you imagine a bookshelf with all your books on it, that used to be how it used to, how it was in the eighties, but with VHS tapes yeah. or Betamax for a brief little bit, if you were stupid enough to choose beta or VHS. But anyway, you know, so in those tapes, you'd have SP, LP and SLP. I always use the SLP because I didn't care about quality. I wanted to get three <laughs> two-hour movies on that tape. Right. I can maximize 
what we had because they were expensive back in the day, especially in the early eighties. Now by the end of the, by the end of the nineties, you get a six pack of VHS tapes for like six bucks. That's so blurry. Yeah. <laughs> when you want, I mean, go on YouTube and you'll see, you know, stuff that was on VHS and does not, you know, the, the, now we said this before, there's a bit of nostalgia to like watching like a horror movie like that, like with yeah. the little grainy, you know, the little VHS blurps and all that, you know, not saying that's the best way to watch it, but every now and then I don't mind a little bit of like, Oh, you, I remember what having to watch it like this. That's all you had. There yeah. was no HD. You know, you, you'd have a big TV back, back in the day in the eighties, you know, it was cool to have a big TV, but you literally had to sit across the room or it was just a blob. There was no <laughs> HD. You saw the pixels and the pixels. No TVs were the size of fucking cockroaches. Yeah. So, but it hit the streets. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, this was something like, and if you missed it when it was the movie of the week on ABC, mm. they might not broadcast it again for ever. So it was like, oh, you know, they would have, you know, you'd be watching whatever sitcom you're watching, Perfect Strangers. They advertise this Saturday, the Ewok Adventure. <gasps> and then, you know, if in eighty in eighty four, I don't believe the VCR was programmable to where you could set it to record on this date or this time. So it was like, okay, watching it, got it, watching in. the clock. Here it comes, <laughs> record. Now I was now on, on my, when I recorded stuff. Uh, at first, if we were watching it, I would try to like stop recording during the commercials and then start recording again uh, to kind of save space on the tape. And then when you're watching it, you don't have to fast forward through the commercials. However, you always you always end up missing a few seconds of the movie because it's not like when you hit record, it's not instant. Right. VHS got <laughs> to spin and up. then start recording. So I just said, you know, fuck it, stop, you know record the commercials, which was great when you would watch them years and years later because you see all the old commercials. Yeah. All the old awesome He-Man commercials or G.I. Mm-hmm. Joe commercials, toy commercials were always great in the 80s. All the kids playing in these mm-hmm. backyards that nobody actually had with jungles and foxholes and all this stuff. He's like, ah. And then I go out in the backyard, try to dig a hole and get punished for it, for digging up the yard to play with my toys out there. <laughs> anyway, the Ewok Adventure, you either watched it and you saw it when it came on or you missed out. And this was Star Wars, so you had to watch it. And then it was a big success. They had a sequel a year later. Uh, again, monetary-wise, I have no clue, you know, how they justify what it made. But obviously, it was you know brought yeah. in advertising dollars uh, with the commercials and everything. So they got a sequel. Uh, but as a kid, the first this one, I loved it. But I mean, there were some scary parts in this thing for a four-year-old. Mm. Uh, there's a scene where, um, well, let me, let me kind of give a little brief synopsis. Basically, it's on indoor, and uh, Wicket's dad goes looking for his missing Wicket's missing brothers, and he finds a starship crash landed. So he goes and investigates, finds these two kids. Their parents were taken by the Gort or something like that. Some weird name. It's a giant. Looks like oh, a giant okay. human bat, a Batman oh, of sorts. They were taken by Batman. But anyway, right. uh, so then the Ewoks, you know, they befriend the children. They save the children because the Mace is a headstrong little punk. Uh, they befriend them. They're like, oh, we're going to save your parents. So they go save their parents. And unfortunately, the badass uh, Ewok, Chuck Throck, dies in the process, unfortunately. But nevertheless, everybody's happy. A la Return of the Jedi. The end of Return of the Jedi. The Ewoks are celebrating with the humans. Everything's cool. Uh, so, but like uh, all practical effects, a lot of matte paintings, like I mentioned. Mm-hmm. It's got some great stop motion for the time. Again, stop motion was never great. Right. But it, but it, it, again, that nostalgia aspect of it, the primitiveness of it, you know it's stop motion, but it's still, that takes a lot of work to do. 
and in this film, it's it's impressive for what it is. Yeah, but I'm, so lately we've seen some good stop motion though. In like, what uh, Kubo? What is oh yeah, oh, yeah, that studio. I forget the name of that studio. Uh, but uh, Leica, I think, is the name of it. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, that's you know, someone they, who took their time with it. <laughs> oh yeah, and then uh, the size. I mean, that's that's uh, that's a whole other league, right? You know, in terms of like even even what you would see in movies. Now, of course, Ray Harryhausen back in the day was a pioneer of that. But uh, and I didn't know this, but I learned this when I was looking up the stuff about this. Is that this film did use actual stop motion, as in move it, picture, right. move it, picture. Uh, but this was one of the last films that ILM did with stop motion because they went to a new process called go motion, which the difference is is that the puppets would sometimes have motors in them, so they could do they could do basic movements. Uh, okay. So they wouldn't have to animate, you know, every single frame quite as much. A little time saving. I really, I'd have to see a, I'm sure you can pull it up on YouTube. You could find a difference. Yeah. My wife just went outside. That was my alarm. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, so I'm sure they could have taken notes from Godzilla from the 50s. Oh, yeah. And just got well, a guy they, in a suit. Well, they actually did because the main, the Gort or whatever it's called, I'm pretty sure it's Gort it's some, or Groot, not Groot. <laughs> it's something like it's something it's a short g word that ends in it starts with g ends in a t uh maybe or maybe a k i can't remember Re- regardless regardless I know. regardless not irregardless because irregardless is not a word is it gorax that's it okay that's it i knew it was something with a g uh, so the gorax uh but they did take a cue from godzilla because he's a giant so you got the first of all you have the little people in the ewok suits you have the regular humans then you have the big giant dude but it's all that godzilla type you know rear projection where he's like walking towards them yeah. And then they're on the bottom of the frame, like, whoa, <laughs> running away. So in a sense, they did, but in, with the, some of the models and all that, you know, again, not bad, but instadating in terms of when you're watching it. Like, oh, yeah, this is obviously an old, old movie <laughs> and a TV one at that. But again, for for its time, I mean, it won an Emmy for its special effects. So, I mean, for its time, this was a really revolutionary television special. Especially since the last time Star Wars was on television, it was the holiday special. Right. Which is not spoken of by George <laughs> Lucas or anybody, even though people go to Galaxy's Edge, Disneyland, Disney World to celebrate Life Day, which I would say, if not for the pandemic, I would 100% be at Disneyland today for Star Wars Day. So it really sucked that the first Star Wars Day, the Galaxy Edge was open. We got this stupid fucking pandemic. Yeah, but nevertheless, like I said, got a lot of stuff done around the house. So <laughs> I guess that's a that's a worthy trade off. Look at the positive. aside from worrying that my business is going to go down the drain. Hmm. But other than that, but anyway, Ewok Adventure. My opinion as a kid, loved it. Loved the second one more. A little more action, a little more excitement, so to speak. This one though had a couple of for a four year old nightmare fuel moments. Uh, there's a scene where for some reason this lake, whenever you touch it, it sucks you underwater. And then it's like, glad you can't get out. Mm. So there's a scene where the, the boy gets sucked under and he's like banging on it. And that freaked me out as a kid. Like, oh, what if I what if I go touch some water and I fall in and I can't get out and there's nobody there to save me? And Jaws is so there. The What's that? <laughs> and Jaws is there. Yeah. Oh, on top of it. You know, that's off. Oh, fuck it. I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll do Robin Williams imitation of a hot dog and just slide yeah. down Jaws. Just make it quick. Yeah. Easy. Quick death. <laughs> Yeah, but there's that. There's this little thing. It's a cute little thing that's in a tree like this. And he's like, oh. And he goes. And he doesn't want to go pet it. He, he The shot is just, this is the shot. 
Like he's going to just randomly mm. grab this thing out of a tree, this cute little fuzzy thing. Mm. Well, it turns out when he grabs it, it's actually a little lure for a bigger creature that looks like the uh, the space slug from Empire. Uh, As a kid, that freaked me out too. Like, oh my god, this cute little thing is actually this horrible giant snake thing. <laughs> so, again, for a kid, for a, ch- a four or five year old back in the eighties watching this, it was pretty like intense. You know, and then as always, as oh, I say as always, but in Jedi, you know, you always got to watch some Ewoks die. They're expendable, unfortunately. And in this one, you know, Chuck Throck, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Chukatrock, you know, unfortunately Chukatrock. passes away because Mace is an idiot and inadvertently causes the Gorax to thrash around in his cave and drop boulders on top of him, killing uh, Trock. Uh Anyway, I got, I got kind of I got kind of emotional at that part because I was pissed off at Mace for inadvertently killing off the badass Ewok. <laughs> but anyway, as a kid, loved it. Didn't you know watch it over and over on VHS because back in the day, that's all you had it was just you know up, it's over, rewind, <laughs> click. Oh, it's done. Play. Start it over again. So, uh, mm. so a lot of good memories about it. Does it hold up? Absolutely not. Oh, Is it bummer. better than episode one? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't give it that much credit. Uh, excuse me. You know, but uh, it's still, it's, it was still enjoyable to watch for me. But unless you're a big Star Wars fan and you really love the Ewoks, you're probably going to absolutely hate it. Hmm. But, I mean... If you're a Star Wars fan, you should absolutely at least have seen it, just like the holiday special. As bad as that is, that's kind of, you know, you got to have your Star Wars badge. Right. And to get that badge, you know, part of the achievement unlocked is <laughs> having seen the Star Wars holiday special yeah. without fast forwarding. If you can say yes and you've seen the Ewok adventure, you're an OG Star Wars fan. There you go. True, true fan. Uh, you know, but these are uh, like, I, I can't wait for Violet to get older so I can let her watch it and see what she thinks of it. Like I think kids would love it because you got the Ewoks and it's very, it's very, uh, not Lord of the Ringsy, but you know there's a A B C D E, you know just do 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 do. Yeah, nothing special in terms of that. Again, remember TV movie, right? For kids, this is not a. It, it was canon briefly. I say briefly until Disney bought it and I was like, nah, this is this ain't canon. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't happen. So, but anyway, uh, a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, there's actually some interesting stuff with it. George Lucas actually wanted to make a movie for his daughter, Amanda, and she loved the Ewoks. So, hmm, hmm. George stroking his beard. Yeah. Hmm, I think I'll do an Ewok. I'll do an Ewok project. Mm. Well, he wanted to do a 30-minute special, but the network's like, we don't want a 30-minute special, but ABC said, we'll take a two-hour movie of the week. So, phew, Ewok adventure. Hmm. So they took a 30-minute idea, made it Two hour, hour and a half with commercials movie. Uh, now, canonically, before Disney wiped it off existence and put it in the Legends category, uh, it took place between Empire and Jedi, hmm. which doesn't make sense because Sindel teaches Wicket English and oh. he doesn't speak any to Princess Leia in Return of the Jedi. He's so, very shy. <laughs> yeah. So he forgot then over the course of two years, like, oh. <laughs> and you don't you don't even know where these humans are. So that's, even though their ship crashed on Endor, excuse me, the forest moon of Endor, they're still there. Or they died between that brief window <laughs> between the movies. Uh, now, uh, supposedly in one of the map paintings, Winnie the Pooh's in a tree. And every time a map painting popped up, now again, there is no 
HD version of this. It's never been on Blu-ray. It's just VHS DVD rips, yeah. so to speak. You're watching a DVD version. And every time a map painting popped up, I paused it and like, okay. Because I could not find any substantial evidence online that said, oh, there he is. Or where this even came from. But it's on IMDb. Hmm. If you know where Winnie the Pooh is in a map painting in this film, please let me know. <laughs> Send that screenshot. Because unless you actually look at the actual, um, you know, if you're if you were at an exhibit and they had the map paintings, oh, here's the map paintings from an Ewok adventure, to where you could actually look at the painting, but right. you can't see on the low res that this film is available in. Uh, at all. Uh, I thought this was hilarious. Then the film kind of opens after the credits with a uh, Wicket's father doing some hang gliding. Well, at Lucas's suggestion, it was an actual hang glider dressed uh, in a pilot dressed as an Ewok. <laughs> So imagine you're like, and they filmed this just north of me here in Marin County, California, completely from there. I'm, I'm just hiking the woods. I'll send a look up and there's an Ewok in a hang glider. <laughs> I'd pay money to see that. <laughs> oh, holy shit. I, I'm, on, I'm on the forest wood of indoor. What happened? <laughs> there's, a, there's a fan film for you. I'm walking in the woods and I somehow magically am, I'm on the forest wood of indoor. Uh, let's see. The voiceover narration was actually inspired by the voiceover in wildlife documentaries, mm. which makes sense at first because as I was watching again for the first time in t- probably 20 years, I was like, wow, wait, I don't remember a narrator, but I'm, I, the Ewoks don't speak. Well, they, they do speak like, oh, chap, oh, chap, oh, chap. you know, much like the Wookiees in the Star Wars special, which went on for 30 minutes with no subtitles. Uh, so I was like, oh, crap. I know there's, I know there's people in it, but I don't remember like how the talking picks up. But it does. So the narration's mainly in the beginning, just kind of setting the stage. Right. Oh, this is Wicked. Here's his parents. Here's his numbskull brothers that can constantly trip over each other and are goofy, like the Three Stooges. Hmm. In this case, the Two Stooges. Hmm. Uh, like I mentioned, it was shot entirely in Marin County, which is the home of Skywalker Ranch. And much of the action was shot in a public park called Roy's Redwoods, which contains 300-year-old sequoias, which... For your spelling lesson of the day, sequoia is the only word in the English language that has every vowel in it. Oh. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I read that in a book, and I've always remembered it, so it stuck with me. So every time nice. I see that word, I feel the, the need to educate people. Did you know? Hmm. Anyway, but those also are the oldest trees in that part of California. Uh, I thought this was pretty cool, because I remember uh, on Lord of the Rings, like a lot of the actors did their own kind of thing off camera. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, like, Sean Austin made a short film. And it filmed a lot of stuff. Uh, Carrie Elway's on Princess Bride filmed a lot of stuff with his own camera behind the scenes. Wrote a book about it. Uh, but uh, Warwick Davis and Eric Walker were, they were like, you know, teenagers. So they were, they had to do their school while they were working. Mm. So George Lucas thought, oh, as part of like a school project that they could do, they gave them cameras. And they kind of filmed their own documentary of this while they were making it, edited it and everything. And they called themselves W&W Productions for Eric Walker and Warwick Davis. Uh, and they edited in their hotel room using Lucasfilm equipment. And it uh, it wasn't until 30th, uh, November 25th, 2014, the 30th anniversary of this film first airing on TV that Walker wow. actually posted a documentary on his YouTube channel. Wow. So if you want to see it, you can go see it now on YouTube. Hmm. 30-year edit. Uh, <laughs> What was that? A 30-year edit. Yeah. <laughs> a lot a of lot post-production more. work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how to get some stuff cleared with uh, with legal and stuff. Uh, strangely enough, this film had a short theatrical run in Germany, the Netherlands, Mexico, Australia, Ben, and New Zealand. So, uh, But not here. Not anywhere here because it was on TV. Hmm. And 
which is kind of poetic or not poetic, but uh, self-referential to today with the whole thing about Trolls World Tour and Universal and the AMC movie theaters and everything. Yeah. Having stuff on TV at home as opposed to the theater. So I find that interesting, but we'll see. Uh, No, this is what also is talking about Nightmare Fuel. This is, you know, Ewok suits right after Jedi. And if you remember in the original Return of the Jedi, I believe in the special editions, they actually fixed this. But Ewoks don't have eyelids, so they don't blink. It's just those big glass eyes staring at you the whole time. Yeah, why would they blink? like watching this, it's very. When I was watching this, I'm like, God, this is really fucking creepy. <laughs> just like, uh, just watching you sleep and stuff, like no blink. But for a couple of scenes in this TV movie, they actually went and had to add eyelids to show the Ewoks when they were sleeping. Otherwise, we're just sleeping oh, yeah. on major pain. Yeah. <laughs> so, major yeah, it was pain. But uh, the set designer was a gentleman named Bill George. He has two first names. Uh, but the crashed Star Cruiser that the family crashed on is actually repurposed wings of the Snowspeeder from Empire. Hmm. I was looking at it really closely to try to see some telltale signs, but you know they did a good job because they right. repurposed it. Or I can't tell. I couldn't tell what they were, even knowing oh it was used. It's these some pieces from here. You can't tell. It looked more like a Y wing or an X wing cockpit. Hmm. Uh, but I don't know. I'm just saying. Hmm. Saying, uh, the sound effects used for the fairies in this film were strangely enough reused in Willow in '88. So, Warwick Davis has that tie there. Uh, and good old boy Robert England was actually uh mentioned that he auditioned for the role of Jeremy, which is the father, mm. uh, which would be the second time he auditioned for a Star Wars film. Although the first one was by mistake because he thought he was auditioning for Apocalypse Now and instead auditioned for Han Solo and Star Wars. <laughs> so, I told that story when we yeah. met him, and he told that story because he saw my wife's Carrie Fisher shirt. On a previous episode of the podcast, one of the 234 before this one. So get cracking. You'll find it. Yep. Uh, anyway, I thought it would also be fun today uh, to learn a few Ewok words that we can incorporate oh. into our everyday vocabulary. There you go. Now, most Star Wars fans already know at least one, and that would be yub dub. Because they say it all the time in Jedi, like yub dub. That means hooray. <laughs> so whenever you're happy, you say yub dub. Yub dub. Strangely enough, yeehaw, which sounds like yeehaw, is goodbye in Iwakanese or Iwakian or Iwakish, however, whichever however you want to say it. Uh, Aka is all right. Gunda is good. So something's good Gunda. or yummy. Gunda. Uh, uh, Feech is dang or damn it. <laughs> Lurdo is loser. Uh, Kush is who or what. If you're hungry, you want to eat, so you would say Rhoda. Yes is Chuck. Jeeks, J-E-E-K-S, is that. And if you want to reply in the negative, it's just Din. So uh, if you want to say, you know, dang loser, eat shit. (laughs) Now, the last word is going to be Huddies, because I know the word for shit in Huddies, because it's in the movie. Uh, You would say, uh, let's see what I say. You'd say Feech, Lerdo, Rhoda, and uh, father, there we go. I had to think about it. I had to think about it for a second. Or Pudu. If you ever find yourself in Ewok Village, you're ready. Yeah, <laughs> I know how to. I know how to. I know how to say hello, how to cheer, how to say yes or no. Tell yeah. them I'm hungry. Rhoda, I want to eat, and also can insult them by calling them a dang loser, a feech yes. lurdo. 
<laughs> You're a feech lurdo. Next lesson, we'll learn Wookiee. <laughs> <laughs> make noises, and yeah. it means something. Somehow. There's, you, know, you have Klingon dictionaries. I'm sure they have other, like, you know, somebody wrote down words for this, but there's no Wookiee translations. Right. Because if you, if you watch Star every Wookiee knows English, but no humans know Wookiee. True. Nobody ever goes to Chewbacca and goes, it's all just, come on, Chewie, let's get out of here. He's like, good job, Chewie. Yeah. Same thing with droids. Well, maybe Wookiees speak telepathically and they just haven't told us that. Are you saying they're Sasquatches? Yeah, that's it. Communicate telepathically and are just naturally blurry. The noises just happen, but I mean, the whole time they're just feeding to their brain. They do have big heads. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, proportion to their body. I can't be the first one to come up with that theory. <laughs> well, it makes sense. Yeah. They don't have to say it. You know, what is, <laughs> you know, we can argue, we're arguing from a realistic standpoint, but we're talking right. about a science fiction film. Yeah. So, yeah, makes sense to me. Telepathy. That's how wikis yeah. communicate. The noises are just distractions. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's why. the sound of their brain working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the brain actually makes noises like an engine. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, Score-wise, though, I would give this one a five. Uh, had I, if I, objectively, if I just saw it today, it'd be less than that. But again, hmm. on this podcast, you can have a bit of nostalgia tainting everything, especially if I've seen it before, wow. because nostalgia is it's a it's a fucking drug. Uh, That's true. Objectively, you know, I, 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 you can see I, I absolutely understand how people. That is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm going to say it's great. But as a kid, I loved it, and it scared me. And then as an adult, like, oh, I'm sitting here watching, like, oh, I haven't, th- I forgot all about that. And I'm instantly taken back to sitting there with a blanket and a bowl of popcorn, mm-hmm. watching it on VHS. You know, and to me, that's worth it. Uh, yeah. But again, you don't have that connection, then it's going to be a piece of shit to you. And I understand. You know, the problem is with Star Wars fans, a lot of them, Star Wars has never done anything bad. Mm-hmm. There's never been a bad Star Wars film. <laughs> yeah, there there has. <laughs> Sorry. Now, OG trilogy. Right. OG trilogy is good to go. Yeah, uh, not the special edition. OG trilogy. The VHS versions, the original, untainted, which you can find on certain sites. The despecialized edition <laughs> in high definition. Just saying. Hmm. So. But anyway, yeah, it was a lot of fun to rewatch it. I, I'm actually excited to watch the second one because I have more of a fondness in terms of memory for Battle of Endor. Because once that one came out, I watched that one a lot more than I ever watched the original. So there's still so many fresh images, or uh, not fresh, Im- that's kind of a weird thing, but uh, you know, a lot of fond memories of that one more so than this one. Because this one, the only thing I really remembered was the giant uh, Gorax at the end. It was pretty terrifying as a kid. Uh, but nevertheless, if you're a Star Wars fan, you should absolutely watch it. And if you got kids, watch it with them because they'll probably love it. Mm. Uh, and I think that was the key for it when it came out. Because, you know, children of the 80s, we were, you know, it's, you know, if you, gr- we grew up in the shadow of Star Wars. I wasn't alive when Star Wars was in the theater. I never saw the original release of Star Wars. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I was at a theater for Return of the Jedi as a three year old. I don't remember. Uh, my parents don't remember either. I mean, the earliest movie memory I have was actually Ghostbusters, which is going to come in later in the Back to the Future segment as well. Uh, but anyway, 
you know, so growing up in the 80s, like we grew up in the shadow of Star Wars. We are children of Star Wars because that's all we had in terms of, um, you know, movies. Like name a movie series other than Star Wars at that time that was, yeah, you know, as big to kids, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I mean, you, you, we still had good movies for, for kids with Willy Wonka and, you know, all sorts of other stuff, yeah, kids movies kind of thing. But I mean, Star Wars was like, that was the first one that your parents liked to watch with you. You know, yeah. Superman, the movie was great, but it still really wasn't kind of a kid movie, <laughs> yeah. you know, which is honestly why it's, I think Superman the movie still is still really good because it, and, and uh, that's, a, you know, Pixar is a perfect example. It don't matter how old you are. You can watch a Pixar movie and there's something there for you if you're 50. There's something there for you if you're 10. There's something there for you if you're five, if you're 70, if you're 20. There's there's always, that's what, uh, always, no matter what, the, even cars. I hate cars. I don't give a shit about cars. You know, I'm not a car person. Mm-hmm. But cars is still enjoyable to watch because there's something there for everybody. And that's the genius of Pixar. And I think that's, a you know, that's growing up with Star Wars. And you had that in, in a post-Star Wars environment because it changed everything. But as a kid, you know, it was always Star Wars was always, even no matter what new movie came out or whatever, it was people, every kid that you knew, you might add your whole bunch of He-Man and all this other stuff for Saturday morning cartoons or droids. And that was a cartoon in the morning that always came on super early though. When I, when I was a kid, like I've always caught like just the end of it because I uh, didn't wake up that early. Right. Excuse me. You know, so, so Star Wars was always big for an eighties kid. That was like, you know, you had to know about Star Wars when you were a kid in the eighties, because that was, that was the big thing at that point. Yeah. Now, of course, earlier you were born in the eighties, the bigger it mattered. You know, the, as you know, I was born December 24th, 1989. Yeah. You were, you were born in the eighties, but you're, you're not an eighties kid. (laughs) (laughs) You have to have some time in there to develop, to be able to make that claim. You know, technically, I, w- I was born January 30th, 1980. Technically, I was born in the, se- you know, I was alive in the 70s. Man, Man. that was a crazy time. Crazy that was crazy. <laughs> I'm glad I was in utero in the 70s because that shit was bonkers. No. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, as an, philosophically, it's crazy to think about, well, I was around in 79. Yeah. You know, just like in turn, you know, in generality, you know, it's, it's again, ph- philosophical. <laughs> but, Anybody in our age group, I mean, every except Daniel, because he's a goddamn oddity, <laughs> uh, you know, grew up with Star Wars. It was yeah. impossible. I mean, that was the thing. So all I'm getting at is, with all that explanation, is that as a kid in the 80s, like with the Ewok adventure, with the cartoon droids, even with the, for kids that watch the holiday special. Again, I was before my time a couple of years. But, you know, when you watch it, this was this was Ewok adventure coming on TV in 1984 was akin to when trying to download the trailer for episode one when it came out on, you know, when there was no broadband. Right. Just waiting for it. <laughs> and that was just one frame of the trailer. Oh my God, it's some tanks. It's some fucking tanks. Oh my God, what is this? <laughs> just. Oh, it's a black screen. Oh shit, what's going to happen? <laughs> Who is this character? You know, so, you know, and I'm not, com- I'm not complaining that, you know, there's anything different between now and then, but, you know, again, nostalgia clouds realism in terms or reality, so to speak, in terms of like, oh, like it, it sucks that Violet's not going to have to like work to get what she wants to see. It's just beep boop or Alexa play Ewok adventure. Right. Yes. Oh, speaking of, there's my Amazon package. Uh, anyway, <laughs> wow, uh, <that's> <laughs> enough of that. <laughs> that's all just stuff. But yeah, I mean, if you grew up with this film, 
you, you know, it's it's worth revisiting as the purpose of this podcast is. And if you're a Star Wars fan, absolutely. If you haven't seen it, you need to see it so you can add that to your your you know your little you know Empire, Empire ribbons, little things. You got to right. add your little Ewok one to it to prove it. And believe me, if you've seen the holiday special, this is nowhere near that. Where you're going from a steaming pile of Bantha Pudu, Bantha Fada <laughs> to you know some finest Karelian wine. Wow. With, between the uh, Empire, uh, Ewok Adventure and a uh, uh, holiday special. But anyway, in the real world, this came out November 24th. Hold on, was it 24th? 25th. 25th. Nope, I'm sorry, 25th, 1984. The same day that Bob Geldof, Pink from Pink Floyd's The Wall, uh, and Band-Aid recorded the number one single, Do They Know It's Christmas in London, to raise money to combat the famine in Ethiopia, Ethiopia and was released, recorded November 25th, released December 3rd. Hmm. On the same day that this premiered. So they all, all them fantastic musicians, Springsteen, Bono, all of them were in there, recorded the song, and they all had to get home real quick in their time zone so they could check the Ewok adventure. It was a big deal, especially if you like right. Star Wars. Or it has to make sure your wife or significant other recorded it for you while you were in the recording studio. Yeah. Otherwise, you missed it, you know. <laughs> so it's sort of like, you know, it's even today – like the closest thing to this, like for example, uh, Joe Bob Briggs is back on Shutter, free plug for Shutter and Joe Bob, uh, with uh, the last drive-in season two. But every Friday night at seven Eastern, my time zones are so fucked up now because everything is so early now over here. I'm right. used to like oh, seven eight o'clock is when everything comes on. No, now it's fucking five. four five <laughs> or six. Like, Christ, I gotta put the baby down. I'm trying to watch this pay per view, <laughs> etc. So, but you know they air it live, uh, it, it pre-recorded, but they they air it at a certain time on Shutter Live TV. So it's actually, you know, you got to be there when it starts to watch from the beginning for all the commentary and all that. The next day it's up on Amazon. But they're speaking again from the started. There's something about watching it, watching something live with, you know, unfortunately probably not millions for that, but, you know, thou- hundreds of thousands of other people. There's just something yeah. about that, that you don't have that today. Now, now in a sense, you know, uh, Rise of Skywalker just popped on Disney Plus today for Star Wars Day. Millions of people are going to watch it today. But what I'm getting at is that this is a live event. We're like on on Discord, which we now have our Discord server. You know, on your on my phone, I'm sitting here chatting with people as we're watching it. You know, you you have that community, yeah. which modern technology is thanks. Well, you know, it was excluded for a good long time in modern technology because just like everything's, you know. Uh, you know, you can watch it whenever you want to. There's no live event. You have to be at a live event in person as opposed to a digital live event, so to speak, yeah. to where you have that sense of community. But now the technology is there. So you have that, which is – but then there's, some, there's something about that. I don't know if it's just because that's how it used to be when I was younger. And, you know, so I'm, I, I know what that feels like and the excitement is there because of that. Or if, you know, people who never experienced that before – you know, I can't say if there's something to it from nostalgia is what I'm saying, or if there's actually something to that, if that makes sense, mm. which I'm curious to know, you know, is people who never had to, you know, if I want to watch Monster Vision back in the day on TNT on Friday, Saturday night, I have to stay up. If I fell asleep, I have to record it on VHS yeah. to be able to see it the next day. You know, otherwise I missed it. Like, in fact, there's torrents online with, uh, hun- not hundreds, but all the people that actually recorded episodes of like, old monster vision and stuff like that with Joe Bob where they're sharing the tours. Cause you can't get them. Like yeah. it's lost to time. One of those things. So, 
you know, anyway, kind of rambling on that. We got a lot of other stuff to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, anyway, back to the future this week. A lot of stuff to catch up on. In fact, uh, first thing, uh, Jesse, if you remember before I left, I mentioned that there was a Ghostbusters art book that was coming out Mm. that the publisher contacted us about. They were going to send us a copy. All right. And they did. And let me see. It is... If you're watching this on YouTube or Twitch, you can get a visual of it. It's a yellow book with some 80s art, 80s colors with the Slimer there. It's and it's it's not it's a it's a coffee table book. Uh, I mean, I feel so important because I actually got the little blurb to read. (laughs) There you go. You know, uh, let's see. It's the Ghostbusters art book. Uh, I'm not sure how much you're supposed to read because it's the first time we've ever had to do this. So, (laughs) but uh, Eric Chang was the gentleman who worked for this company who uh, contacted me to send a copy for review. Uh, it's supposed to be out May 5th, 2020. Sticker price of $39.99, but I'll tell you right now, you can go to Amazon.com, and it's on there for pre-order for $35.99. So you save 4 bucks if you go on Amazon with Prime Delivery. There you go. Uh, it's original, fully illustrated celebration of the iconic film franchise featuring hundreds of unique pieces of art commissioned from all over the world. Uh, now, of course, this was sent out before the pandemic, so it also says summer 2020's highly anticipated film Ghostbusters Afterlife pushed to the fall from Sony Pictures in association with Bronze Studios makes the perfect time for fans of the Supernatural Saga to add this must-have book to their collection. Now, you can kind of see behind me which way do I need to move. Like, see, look, all these, most of these are art books. Yeah. So I'm an art book fan of good ones. Right. Well done ones. Uh, and one... One thing that I hate about art books is when you get an art book and you open it up, it's a big book like this, and mm-hmm. the pictures are like half page or little small. Nah, this one does it right. I'll flip through a couple. It is full page. Oh, very nice. Full color, uh, thick cardstock. Let me see. There's a. I thought I'm, I didn't mark a couple, but there's a. It's it's exceptionally well done. When they do have a description with the artist, it's just small at the top, like up here. Yeah. So you, yeah, you it's can, like an art gallery. What's that? It's like an art gallery, just a yeah. little blurb, yeah. Yeah, and then they have all the all the pertinent information's in the back for like some of the uh, the artists and everything. It's my voice, Stay Puff. Yeah. So, but it's it's a variety of art styles. You can kind of see a selection. You got everything from realistic, mm-hmm. you know, to cartoony, you know, to a little sensual there with my girl Sigourney, Dana Barrett, <laughs> one of my first loves. You know, you got a little more. Uh, thematic you know some are serious some are funny uh but again you know i hate sounding like a shill because they did send this to it to me for free 35 dollars right. value on amazon but honestly this is i'm not i'm not a sales per- i mean i am a salesperson by trade but <laughs> Wait <a second. laughs> i don't show people stuff but this if you if i'll be honest with you if you like if you're a ghostbusters fan Mm-hmm. Then I would say this is an absolute must buy, and at thirty five bucks, that's not expensive for an art book. Yeah, like I've been, I've had a Bayonetta art book on my wish list on Amazon for years, and it's nowhere. I've seen like real pictures of it. It's nowhere near the quality of this one, and it's like eighty yeah. bucks. Soft cover, hard cover, y'all. Nice. And I always like a good spine that's not just like monochrome, has right. like something on it to like so it brightens up your library, and you got it. Got the logo right there. Slimer. Great. Highest possible recommendation if you're a Ghostbusters fan. If you're an art fan, if you just love artwork, uh, unique artwork. And a lot of art books, too, that I've seen in the past uh, tend to have uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, a lot of 
what I would say not necessarily variants of styles. It's a lot of like same artists. Or I don't something. know. Just kind of similar stuff. A lot of similar, like everything yeah. in here is none of the artwork is very similar. There's a lot of differences. Uh, and a lot of our, our books, uh, I'll get personally, I'll look at them a couple of times and they just sit on my shelf because I like the subject matter mm. or, or it looks good on my shelf. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, but this one, if I didn't have a two year old in two weeks, who would run around, this would be sitting on my table as like the coffee table book. Nice. It's just striking. It's very nice. Again, well done. I w- there, if, Every franchise had a book this quality, our book this quality, the world would be a better place. Like a Back to the Future one like this, Jaws, even a Star Wars one. And there's, there's tons of Star Wars art books. Yeah. But again, with art books, like I said, my biggest complaint with them that turns me instantly off is when I open them up and the pictures are, you know, postcard size. And there's like four of them. Like, no, 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 no. I want to be able to see the artwork. Yeah. Oops. I already showed that one. No, here we go. Here's my girl. Sexy Sigourney. There you go. Full page. <laughs> so, again, it's 300. Hold on. I'm sorry. I got the blurb over here. What was it? 208-page hardcover art book. So, and it's all original artwork. This is, uh, this isn't like, uh, no, I do like art books where they have like a collection of, um, you know, like uh, the official art. Uh, I don't like the art books where, I like character design. I say more say more so than say like um, like the world building aspect, so to speak. Like for example, this is I'm trying to see it on. I'm trying to see, yeah. This is this is the Skyrim art book. It's oh. about as thick as a Ghostbusters one, but the first ten pages are char- like character design, and the rest is like. Or let me rephrase that. Most of those video game art books that you would get from collectors editions, mm-hmm. I used to get every goddamn one of them. Uh, you know, they they look nice. They look good on your shelf. But you open them up. 10 pages of character, 50 pages of weapons, and then the other 100 pages are just the environments. Great, talented artists. I don't care for the environment artwork. Right. Yeah, for me, that needs to be the 10, the landscape. The 10, 10 page. Yeah, you know, and they always show up. Those are the big pictures. Like, no, when I see these, this painted character art in every variance of the armor in the game, I want to see that full page. I want to see the details. I can appreciate it. And, I mean, I used to draw back in the day, and then, uh, you know, as... I'm not going to ever say that I was an artist in terms of what I drew, but I enjoy like being able to look at somebody's art that close up detailed and like, Oh wow. Okay. I see what they did there. And in a sense, if you're a fan of art, you can kind of learn a little bit of something. Oh, next time I draw something, I'm going to try that technique or, or like this design. I'm going to use that with this or something, or, you know, if you're creating your own characters or something like that, you know, the creativity side of it, like environments. Yes. That there's a ton of creativity for it. That's just not my cup of tea. I want to see the character, the character designs, because I find that a lot more interesting than environmental, in my opinion. So that's my little rant on art books. But this one, absolutely, there's no hundred percent gets age of it, seal of approval. There's no landscapes in New York. <laughs> that's all it would be. Right? I mean, they do have a. Well, yeah, but they no, they do have. As long it's as not it's like ghostly. again, this isn't a movie production book. Right. Look, this one's great because it's a, a Marvel Comics <laughs> nice. reference. Marble. Those are. Uh, originally supposed to be Pee Wee Herman, uh, but uh, go watch our episode or listen to our episode on that one because that was before we filmed anything. Uh, so, yeah, uh, again, full disclosure, they sent me this for free, but believe me, if I saw this in a store, I would walk out with it. Yeah. Absolutely. Not even bullshitting you. And I'll prove it because if you want to send me some more books to look at, if I don't like it, I'll let you know. 
<laughs> but let's go, Buster. I'm down. I mean, it's one of the greatest films ever made. So one of the funniest films, one of the best films of the 80s. Only lost at the box office to Beverly Hills Cop for the year. So well, well worth it. Now, Jesse, I'm going to hop up for a second because I left my notebook in the kitchen. All right. And that's all the films that I've seen since we stopped recording. All right. So, talk for a second. There we go. Yeah, so let's look at this uh, this montage he has going on in the background. Of course, as soon as he leaves, it goes blue screen and static. But I've been watching that, and it's been changing his lighting like crazy. But that's okay. It's an experimental stream. It is what it is. Hey, Melissa. So. Hey, Melissa. I can't see the chat, though. So. Oh, but yeah, there. that's true. I'll be monitoring it. Got gotcha. <laughs> But anyway, uh, now originally I made some notes as we were uh, uh-huh. between the last episode. This one was like, oh, what can I do for a quick episode? Like we had talked about Jesse to maybe just send you some audio or something, but right. that never happened. Uh, but anyway, a lot of movies have come out uh, direct to not DVD, but you know, straight to streaming. Yeah. So a lot of stuffs come out. So I'm just going to kind of run through a couple, uh, you know, that I've seen. Oh, actually, the number one thing that came out since we recorded last that everybody and their brother has seen is probably Tiger King on Netflix. I Jesse, have you it. watched that yet? Yes, I did. I am caught so, okay. up on Tiger King. Anyway, okay, that was that made quarantine for me, like most people. <laughs> I I have to say, I'm because autumn started and then I kind of came in halfway through the first episode, like, what the hell is this? I swear to until the end, I kept thinking they're going to pull the rug out from under us and say this was all fake. Because it oh, was, no. I've never seen something that was like that's that can't be reality. <laughs> well, that's kind I, of it what still it amazes is. me. That it's it's a reality that, show real. disguised as a documentary. Yeah, and yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's I mean, it's mean, just he's here's come, a character. He's come to our. Uh, he's come to Louisiana before. He went to that. Uh, there's a tiger truck stop near Baton. Rouge. I actually watched those videos on his yeah. channel. The other day. Okay, yeah. If you want more Joe Exotic, he's got like a bajillion videos on YouTube. <laughs> so you can see how crazy he really was. Yep. And the, the thing that blows my mind is people are out there defending him. Like, I'm in a Tiger King meme group because the memes are gold right now. <laughs> and people are like, oh, like Joe needs to be free. Like, nah, he tried to have somebody murdered. That's, <laughs> that, that's grounds for being in jail for a while. Yeah. He's still going to be fine when he gets out, you know. So. <laughs> But anyway, uh, some quick things that came out. Bloodshot, Skip It with Vin Diesel. Garbage. Uh, Bombshell was actually really good, well-acted. Uh, probably Margot Robbie's best work in terms of acting. I was really impressed, especially when you're in a movie with Nicole Kidman and uh, uh, the lovely Charlize Theron. Uh, the Hunt was really fun, unexpected with a lot of things. Uh, the Invisible Man was really good, which I'd heard positive things about that anyway and wanted to see it. But uh, that one was really good. Speaking of Pixar earlier, Onward came out, loved it uh, at first. Halfway through it, I'm like, God, this is this is kind of going nowhere, so to speak. Right. Uh, but then the end, damn you, Pixar. <laughs> uh, the Gentleman, fantastic. Uh, Birds of Prey. Speaking of Margot Robbie, uh, was actually I actually really enjoyed Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, or whatever, or Birds of Prey, oh, wow. the blah 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 of Harley Quinn, whatever it is. Uh, the fight scenes were exceptionally well done. Uh, so that's a positive for it. And then uh, Underwater with Kristen Stewart. Uh, of course, a few years ago, we did 80s Revisited, went deep. It's our coverage of all those underwater movies that happened at the same time, same year of the 80s. Uh, this was very akin to that that kind of genre movie. 
And if you're a Lovecraft fan, there's a nice little cameo at the end. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that other stuff came out recently. I'm trying to remember what else we saw, but that's that's kind of a lot of the stuff that came out when I wrote this a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Planning right. to do an episode uh, then. So yeah, that's kind of it. So it's good to be back talking and everything. Hopefully, uh, once my wife gets back to work, we'll have a little more stable office, or uh, much like Jesse's, because <laughs> Jesse's in the actually sit tried and true recording studio. So yeah. I'm sitting in front of my TV. So we'll get that. I'll get my, on my end, I'll get that straightened up so it looks a lot more uh, professional and just more inviting yeah. and stuff like that. But uh, I'll, uh, I forgot last time. Uh, shout out to our good friend Ben Wyatt in uh, Tasmania with all of his podcasts. He's got like five of them still going. Uh, the only one I'm uh, caught up with is the uh, BAMcast, the Badly Awesome Movie Podcast. But Ben's on a couple of other ones. So definitely check him out and cheer him on with his wrestling. Uh, yeah. Doing a good job, Ben. Yeah, In fact, it, you helped me win an argument against my father over the weekend because he's like, wrestlers aren't athletes. I'm like, Dad, let me let me let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you. Let me, let me break it down for you. I have a friend in Tasmania. Yeah. He's you know younger than me, but in great shape. And he he's mentioned before on the podcast when uh, his podcast when he was talking about it, you know, just running into those ropes was like one of the hardest things he ever did. Yeah. You know, so I'm like it's it's it, because my dad played college football, so he's like, Oh, wrestling was fake. I'm like, yeah. nah, bro. The outcome is predetermined. That in-ring stuff, yeah, impressive. Not anybody can. But do help that. me when I argue with my dad. Ben, so I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, did I forget anything, Jesse? Or um, no, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, we have a Discord okay, well, channel. That- that's, you can find the link oh, on yeah. that on Facebook, and uh, uh, we have a spot for movie requests there and whatever else. We'll figure out more stuff. We just opened it today, so. Yep, for in, in celebration of Star Wars Day. So yep. since we're all stuck at home anyway. Yeah, and then right. uh, AsiaVisit at gmail.com, message us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, I think, all that kind of stuff. We're there. If you just one of those things, we'll get it. We'll be able to talk about it if you need something. Or like Jesse said with the Discord, uh, he's helped out with that because uh, all I knew how was to create one that was called AsiaVisit and he entered everything else. So hats off to you. Headphones off to you. Yeah. <laughs> for helping out with that, Jesse. And making us look professional because I'm such a noob with this shit. <laughs> so, but uh, now, hopefully, we will do one next week too. Uh, I know we promised Bond for a while. I'm still working my way through those. Wow. Uh, of course, with all the movies that I mentioned that came out uh, on demand and everything recently, you know, there was a plethora of those to watch and uh, catch up on, so to speak. Uh, but as soon as I get into the 80s Bond, going through them chronologically, that will be the next series that we'll do, but we'll try to get some episodes in between while I'm working on that. So, and I guess everybody stay safe, wash your hands, yeah. maintain your distance, wear your mask in public, be safe so that way you can listen to more podcasts in the future and not be on a ventilator. Now's the time so. to wear that Vader costume in public. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, I'm waiting for pictures of you in your dark helmet costume. <laughs> yeah, just the full thing. <laughs> I've been going you, in when my you full exterminator have- gear. My there you go. Hardcore. I, oh, even the, wear the, the, I even wear the hard hat just because my mask <laughs> fits better that way. But yeah, no regrets. Fantastic. <laughs> well, you and Melissa stay safe in Louisiana. I'll do my best to stay safe over here. And all of you stay safe wherever you are. And until next time, cowabunga. And your name. Oh, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> anyway, until next time, I remain. 
Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga! There we go.